0: Invite you if you have your Bibles this morning to turn with me to Genesis chapter twenty seven. If you want to utilize the blue pew bible, it should be there in your chair. It'll be page nineteen. Genesis chapter twenty seven. Pretty long section of scripture. What I want to uh, what I want to do is, and um, well, we're going to read it, but it's long. But it is a story. I want you to I just kind of want you to sink your teeth into it and um, and just follow uh, follow the story. Listen to the ebb and flow of it. Um, you may. Be a little bit familiar with it, but I want you to think about um, the story as we read it, and, and maybe things that you haven't seen before will, uh, will come up, and then we'll work our way through it. So let's just begin in verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could not, no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man, and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau. Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and he got them and he brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. And then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and she put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had just made. He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game, so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord gave me success, he replied. And then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so that I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. And then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him, and he ate. And he brought some wine, and he drank. And then his father, Isaac, said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. And so he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. And then he said, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And his father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and he took your blessing. And Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he has taken my blessing. And then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? And Isaac answered, Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And then Esau wept aloud. And his father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from earth's riches, away from the dew of heaven above, and you will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran and stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? And then Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among them, the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word, and as we read it, as we hear the pain and anguish and the sorrow, and we see the deception, we see the dysfunction of life, Father, we can only hope that in all of it, You are working. Even as we look at our own lives, even as we look at the world, we can only hope and pray and trust that indeed, though all looks lost, though sometimes things look hopeless, Though, yes, there is great dysfunction in our lives, sin abounds even in our own hearts. Your grace is greater. So let us see it. Let us understand it. Let us know it. Let us experience it personally and all for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you may or may not be familiar with Genesis 27. There are four characters in the story: Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Esau. Dad, mom, and two sons, twins. We've already looked at their coming about. We looked at how the Lord had given to Rebekah an oracle concerning them, and now they've grown. Isaac has grown old in the story. He is near the time of his death. He knows that it's coming and soon. And so he prepares to give his blessing. The first thing that I want us to get somewhat straight in our minds this morning is the concept of this blessing. Because we don't have anything really that is akin to it. It's it 's different about the closest thing that we would have would be someone 's last will and testament, but even that misses a little bit because this blessing that here that is is given and, and is talked about also has the meaning of giving and passing on the favor of God attached to it, and so it 's really this fully orbed it 's the favor of god it's um, it is a a, a pronouncement of the favor of the family. It's, it's a really big deal in this culture, in this setting. Uh, it's a bestowal of property. It's also the d- d- divine pronouncement of God's favor. You see, we toss this idea of, of blessing around quite trivially. We, we say things like, bless your heart. Or bless her heart. <laughs> we, we, we don't have anything really that approaches this idea of the blessing, the family blessing. But you need to think about it in kind of that big, fully orbed idea. It's, it's, it is the last will and testament. It's the blessing of God. In this context, if you think about it, Abraham had received the blessing of God. That blessing had been passed on to Isaac. And so even as Isaac gives the blessing, one you, you, you can hear some of the uh, aspects of the blessing that was given to Abraham. For instance, may those who curse you be cursed. Those who bless you be blessed. Right? So that's a component of that Abrahamic blessing that God gave to Abraham that was passed on to Isaac, that Isaac now is going to pass on, if he gets his way, Esau. And so that's what's happening in the story. The story revolves around that blessing. Isaac is prepared to announce the blessing that. On Esau. Rebecca overhears that this is about to happen. And she moves to intercede. Why? Remember the story. Isaac loved Esau. Why did he love him? Well, the text tells us he loved him because he prepared his favorite food. So, in the story, Esau is something of a man. He's the man's man. And so he goes out and he hunts and he's out in the field and he, he brings back this wild game and he prepares it in such a way that his dad loves it. And then the other half of the story is we have Jacob and Jacob stays home around the tents and, and I don't know, he does needlepoint or something. I mean, I have any idea, but it, he's more of a homebody, a tent body, if you will. And so Rebecca loves Jacob. Jacob listens to his mom. He's fearful of the ruse that there that she's concocting, right? Of going in and doing this, he's nervous about it. His mother assures him and says that if Isaac discovers the ruse, then I'll take the curse. Let that curse fall on me. That's big stuff. She will be the responsible party. Of course, in the story, Jacob goes in and it works. But it's iffy a couple times, isn't it? You can sense the tension in the story. There's Jacob. His sight has given away. He can't detect. He can't discern by sight. But he listens. And what does he say? He says, I hear that voice. You're telling me it's Esau, but I'm hearing the voice of Jacob. Come here. Kiss me. He goes and he kisses him. He, he's doubtful. And when he comes and he kisses him, his mother's ruse is fully played out because he's wearing Esau's clothing. And Isaac catches a whiff of that outdoorsman. I don't know what that smells like necessarily, but he catches a whiff of it and he says, Oh, it is Esau. And He's eating the food. Food. The food passed the test. Remember, that's the thing that he loves about Esau is the food. Isn't it interesting in the story when you think about the twists and turns that the thing that Isaac loves is this outdoorsman and he loves the game that he prepares and that's his connection to Esau. And Rebecca was able that quick to whip up a meal that passed the taste test for Isaac kind of ironic, isn't it? That's the connection that he has to his son Esau. And yet Rebecca is able to mimic that taste that quick. Of course, in the story, Esau returns. He discovers that Jacob has again bested him and his anger burns hot and he begs for more blessing. Apparently in the story, The way that this has worked, typically what would happen is a blessing would be given, some would be held in reserve, it would be given to the other sons in the family. So they would all get a partial blessing, but the firstborn son would get the main thrust of the blessing. And in this story, what we learn is that Isaac gave the blessing, all of it, to Jacob and there was nothing left. He didn't hold any in reserve for Esau. Or Jacob, as it would have been. Instead, he pronounced the full blessing. And so when I, when Esau comes back and he learns what has happened, he goes, he, didn't you reserve some? Isn't there some blessing for me? Can't you give me something? And the best that he can get, as you look at the text, the best that he can get is the last line, when you grow restless, you will throw off his yoke from your neck. That's about as good as it gets for Esau. The rest of it looks pretty, pretty grim. That's the story. Now, you have in this account, right, you're thinking to yourself, well, why doesn't Isaac just take it back? You know, I was crossing my fingers will redo it uh will will we'll something will happen instead you see the significance of the pronouncement of the blessing it has gone forth those words have left his mouth they've been announced on Jacob it, if you look in your bibles at the beginning of chapter 28 it, the story is is interesting because once Rebekah hears that Esau is burning hot, that his anger has been fueled, and he is going to kill Jacob. Once she hears that, she moves into action again. And she goes to Isaac at the very end of chapter 27, and she says to him, I cannot live if Jacob were to choose a Hittite wife. Okay, so basically, if Jacob were to follow Esau's pattern, because Esau had chosen women from outside, if Jacob follows the same pattern, I cannot live with myself. So she throws this at Isaac, thus moving Jacob out of the area. So at the beginning of chapter 28, Jacob comes back in and Isaac announces the blessing on him again. and, and, and some commentators feel like this is Isaac's full acceptance of what has happened. Now, here's the, the, here's the breakdown. We're going to get to some application points in a minute, but I just kind of want you to get a sense of the story. If you go, if you go and you grab some commentaries, there's no consensus, unfortunately. Unfortunately. There's no consensus about who's right and who's wrong in the story. So if you're looking to assign blame in the story, you, you, you either have to look at everybody or you have to pick and choose the commentators. So let's just take two of them. If you took Calvin and Luther, all right, two good reformers from the 16th century, Martin Luther and John Calvin do not agree on this Text right because you 've got Rebecca and Isaac are Jacob scheming against their father, as Luther would say it, and so they um, they 're not doing right. Um, Calvin, on the other hand, exonerates Rebecca. Because what he says is that Rebecca was interested in the oracle. She was interested in the earlier promise that the um, the younger would rule over the older. So that Jacob was the son of promise. And so he says that Rebecca understood that Jacob should rightfully be the one to receive the blessing. And so what happens is in the story she sees that Isaac is going to bless Esau. Oh no! And so as a righteous woman, she rushes in and she puts together the plan in order for, for her beloved Jacob, the son of promise, to receive the blessing. And of course he does. And then she ruefully moves him out of the story. She gets him moving towards Laban and Isaac announces the blessing. And so Calvin says, Isaac Realized that in the end, Rebecca had done the right thing. That Rebecca had moved him towards doing what should have been done in the first place, and that is understanding and hearing and heeding the oracle of God that Jacob was the son of promise, not Esau. And so he blesses Jacob again as he departs. You can go however you want to go with it. But one of the things that you will have a very difficult time doing is coming to the story and thinking about it in terms of just moral takeaways, okay? And and that's what a lot of people want to do here, is they want to come and they want to go, look, this is a very poor way to handle conflict. Don't handle conflict the way that this family handled conflict. Or they come to it and they say, look, this is really poor parenting or grandparenting. Don't do this. Don't choose up sides. Don't love one child over another. Don't, you know, pit your children against each other. There's all sorts of this moral do-gooding that you could go to this passage and try to come away. You, you can't. It's very difficult to do in this passage. not a good thing to do anyways, but it's really not a good thing to do in this passage. That's the easy way. Above that is the greater story, the story behind the story. And that is the story highlights for us. Listen, you have to see this in the text. It highlights for us God's grace. It highlights for us that behind all of this mess, listen, any way you slice it, Rebecca's right, Rebecca's wrong, Isaac's right, Isaac's wrong. Uh, they're lying, they're not lying. It was okay to, to tell what Luther calls an obliging lie. That, that You know, you've got to, regardless of how you slice this pie, guess what? It's a mess. The story is a mess. And you can't leave this story with anything other than it's an absolute debacle of a family situation. And there's great grace, however, even in the midst of this dysfunctional family. Even in the lives of the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their stories, their names appear on virtually every page of the Bible in one way or the other. This is the family that the rest of everything is built off of. You and I trace our story to their story. And it's a mess. This family represents the future grace of God and the person of Jesus, the Son of God. God had promised to bless the nations, the future generations, through this family. And look at them. Look at the mess they have made and will make. Because now Jacob is on the run and Esau is going to be chasing him. And oh, by the way, Rebecca had this nice plan all drawn up. You go off. Once your son's anger subsides, you can come back home and it'll just be, I'll have all my little chicks in the nest again. Guess what? We have no indication, none, that Rebecca ever saw her son again. He left and she probably never saw him again. So you're scratching your head. You come to the story, you scratch your head. Lord, how can you make anything of this? And here's what I want us to think about as we think about the story. First, the blessing matters. The blessing matters. No matter what else has happened in the story, one thing is clear, the blessing matters. Because to have the blessing of God is to have life. To have the blessing of God is to have life. Without the blessing of God, all hope is lost for navigating life. The the book of Ecclesiastes tells us life is meaningless without the blessing of God and so it matters if it didn't matter if the blessing of god didn't matter jacob and esau would have gone on their way and they would have never given a second thought to that blessing which wasn't just family riches it was also the blessing of god but that isn't what happens instead esau is instead jacob and his and his mother Perform the ruse, they lie, they, they cheat, they do, they do, I mean, things that just, wow, incredible in order to get that blessing. And then when Esau finds out that it's gone, his heart burns with anger. And he is, he's so angry that he wants to kill his brother. And so what we learn from this is the blessing matters. Having the blessing of God in your life matters. Knowing that you are right with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords matters. Here's the second thing. We will do almost anything to get the blessing. We will do almost anything to get the the blessing. Now follow me on this, okay? The pursuit, the pursuit of, of having in our lives the God shaped void that it's often put that way, filled within us. That pursuit, and listen, everyone knows that God exists. Everyone is pursuing filling that God-shaped void because we all know that God exists. Psalm 19 says that there is no tongue, there is no language, where the heavens declaring the glory glory of God are not heard. The Apostle Paul picks that up in Romans 1 and says, even though they know God exists, they suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. Okay? So when you, when you, when someone says they don't believe God, you can just chuckle inside because you know, because the Bible tells you that everyone knows that God exists. They suppress that truth, but they know it. And here's, here's the next step. They're all in search of the blessing. Every last one of us is in search. Of having that God-shaped void filled in us. We don't name it. We just pursue it. We often pursue it in various forms of what the Bible terms idolatry. Sometimes we try to satisfy it with stuff. Sometimes we try to satisfy it with things that bring us pleasure. Sometimes we try to satisfy it with things that even bring us pain. And the story that's before us, Rebecca and Jacob were willing to risk absolutely everything in order for Jacob to have the blessing that Rebecca and Isaac already had. They went to great lengths. The facade of dressing up as his brother in order to trick his father is pretty bold. There's a practical application right here too. And it's this. We will often try to dress up. We will often try to masquerade as something we aren't in order not to trick God because you can't. But in order to trick God. Those around us into receiving their approval as a form of blessing in our lives. Because we want them to think of us as this way and not that way. And so we work to gain that approval because that approval makes us feel as if the void is filled in our hearts. The problem is, all the while, we know what? It's a ruse. Because we're really not that good. And in our heart of hearts, we really aren't that pure. And if they really knew it, we know they would disown us. The Pharisees in the New Testament do exactly this. Only they did it with God right? Because they had a long list of rules and regulations. And what they said was, what they told themselves, if we keep these, God will be pleased with us. So if we do this long laundry list of things, so if we do these things and we don't do these things, then God will look at us and he will approve of us. And Jesus came along and he said, you are whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but the inside is rotting away. And he condemned them. It's another form. It's another way in which we will pursue the blessing. Later in Jacob's life, he will, and we'll look at the story, he has an encounter with the angel of the Lord. And in that encounter, they wrestle. They spend all night wrestling. And so Jacob wrestles with the Lord. You remember that story? It's an amazing encounter. But in the story, as God is wrestling uh, with Jacob, Jacob latches onto him and he says, I will not let you go until what? Until you give me your blessing. Until you bless me. Which tells us that Jacob was still in search of what he had already received, right? Because of the way that he had gotten it and the way that he was living life, he was still searching for that blessing. But he holds on to God as he wrestles with him. He holds on to the angel of the Lord who, could, who by the touch of his finger gives him a limp for the rest of his life. And Jacob is holding on to him saying, bless me. We'll do just about anything. But the blessing is found in one place. It's found solely in the Lord's provision. I want you to hear this. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 23 refers to the people of God in a very peculiar way. In Hebrews chapter 12 beginning in verse 22 he says this, But you, you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. And then at the beginning of verse 23, he says, You have come to the church of the firstborn. To the church of the firstborn. Let me ask you a question What is the church? It's you, right? It's God's people. And there's this reference here to the church, the people, all of them bearing the title of the firstborn. The church of the firstborn. What an amazing way to refer to us. Jesus is often referred to as the firstborn over all creation. He is the good son. He is the chosen son. When Jesus came down to earth, he gave up all of the blessing, if you will, of the firstborn in heaven. And he came down and he took the curse, rightly due to you and I. He took our curse, and then he gave us the status of what? The firstborn. He gave us his status. He changed, he took our status as the cursed, and He gave us His status as the firstborn so that we would have, what? The blessing of God. So that we would be called the church of the firstborn. Every single person who comes to faith in Christ has the blessing of the firstborn upon them. You bear it. It's yours. That which Jacob schemed to get, you freely get. That which Esau cried out to God for, you have if you were in Christ. It's a phrase that was assigned to Israel all the way back in Genesis and Exodus 4.22. And in exchange with Moses, the Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform for Pharaoh all the wonders that I've given you the power to do, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. Israel was the firstborn son. The church is the church of the firstborn. And you, if you are in Christ, are entitled to the blessing of the firstborn. It's yours. You don't have to scheme for it. You don't have to lie to get it. You don't have to pursue it anywhere. You don't have to go to you don't have to travel to get it. You don't have to go on the lake to get it. You won't find it anywhere else. But you'll find it in Christ. And what is it? What does it entail? It entails essentially laying down all your rights, all the privileges you believe you're entitled to, a confession that you are not your own, that you belong body and soul to your faithful Savior. If you're able to confess that, if you're able to pronounce that, the blessing of the firstborn is yours. Free and clear. No strings attached. And you will forever know the blessing of the king of kings and the lord of lords let me pray for us father we thank you for a difficult story like this but father what a beautiful picture for us that comes out of it that you have made available to us the same blessing it was afforded to jacob for which esau desperately wanted and father we praise you and we thank you for that let us see it let us know it let us taste the goodness of it and all for your glory and for our good in jesus name amen